When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's a lot of TV and internet stuff, and we go on YouTube a lot. Yep. For me, how I determine whether or not a show is absolutely cannot watch ever again is the trash system so trash stands for terrible racist ageist sexist and homophobic i stop watching things after i declare them trash it's trash so if it's trash then don't watch it stand up fussing and fighting Hi, I'm your host, Nalika Radway, and this is Raising Rebels, a podcast about oppressed parents raising free children. Each episode of Raising Rebels features courageous conversations with parents and my three girls, Glory, Moxie, and Blue. Today, we are joined by one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. She's already gotten a shout out on Raising Rebels, Andrea O'Brien. Welcome, Andrea. Thank you. Happy to be here. So today, we are talking about the internet and the impact it's having on all children, black children particularly, and just how we as parents like engage um, with them, with the world, and all of it. So, what's one word to describe how you're feeling right now? Hmm, one word to describe how I'm feeling. Nervous. That was my word! <laughs> There's going to be a lot of this today. Um, that was my, and it's so funny because I, ha- I talk to you all so much all the time. And I also have like, if you know what it is, I think it feels like someone's like eavesdropping on our conversation. Yes. Because we like We talk, reveal a lot. We I mean, we go in, and I don't know how this is going to go, but I, too, am feeling a little nervous. I got butterflies in my top of my chest and all of that. Yes. Um, Okay, so tell the people a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay. So, hi, I'm Andrea O'Brien, as Nolika said. I am the mother of a very dynamic 14-year-old girl who's about to be 15. I am a co-parent, and I've been co-parenting now since 2010. So it's been nine years and quite a ride. Um, I work in the pharmaceutical industry, so I work for a pharmaceutical advertising agency. So it's a bit of a, you're working for the devil, but the devil pays you kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. we have to appreciate that. And Many people are going to be able to relate. Yes. <laughs> a lot of us will be able to relate. And I write and talk a lot, pretty much. And she's so smart. Okay, I'm not going to do this. But she, <laughs> um, I'm not going to fan out on her, but she's pretty amazing. So... Um, let's start also by thinking about a question around our children. So what is something that you've learned from your child? Bravery. Mm. So my daughter is a girl who lives out loud Mm -hmm. and she's very self-aware and she has her own tween teen insecurities, but 
even from childhood, she knew very much who she was, and that was not my experience growing mm-hmm, up. Mm-hmm. And so it has challenged me to not only let her live out loud, but to to look at why I felt threatened by it mm-hmm. and kind of just being brave about who I am and who she is and letting her just be in this world without trying to control all the things. Because I innately I would helicopter parent because I want all the things to go right and mm-hmm. I have a view of her world. So she's taught me to be brave in the sense that I know I can't control things, so I just let it happen and figure it out. Oh. So out of respect for children, our children in particular, um, we are going to begin with a recollection. And the point of beginning with the recollection is so that we can get in touch with our childhood selves. Um, Many times we parent from a perspective of an adult, but really in order to like understand the experience of our young people, we need to tap into who we were as children. So um, when I think about the job of monitoring children's internet use, it feels like the biggest responsibility in the world. <laughs> um, I mean, as a parent, like we're gatekeepers to many things, but when you think about the internet, it's like we're gatekeepers to the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, and how now like oppression just lives in your child's pocket. They could just take it out and pick it up and um, engage with racism, sexism, homophobia, like whatever you name yep. it, it's there. And so um, as I was thinking about what we should reflect on today, I thought around um, the idea of this this sense of responsibility. And to think of a recollection, earliest memory you can of a time you felt a huge sense of responsibility and whether you lived up to it or you didn't or how, just like that feeling of responsibility. So share with us. So I'm that kid that felt responsible for everything, like the Cold War, like whatever I saw, like everything was my fault and I could possibly, I'm so important, I could absolutely control things and make things better. (laughs) Part of that comes from being, I think, the youngest child. And so you're very aware as the youngest child sometimes of the mood of the other folks in the house. And your job is to either stay under the radar or try to fix things and make people happy. So if, you know, my, my older sister, my mother, my father... I was very much like, how can I shift a mood if it was bad or make people happy or entertain? And so I think one of the earliest memories I have or a constant memory is kind of being a caretaker for my mother's moods and my mother's happiness and standing in where she was not. So there was a time and I would say I was I was like maybe 12 and this went on from 12 to 17, where she was gone for a while. And my father was really angry about the fact that my mom wasn't there for whatever reason she wasn't. And so in order to keep the household running in my head, I would rush home to cook or make sure things were cleaned up and essentially put myself in the place of someone who was running a household when I had no concept of what it was. But I felt personally responsible for the things happening. My sister was at an age where she was already kind of off into the world. So it was just me and my dad. And so I felt personally responsible for making sure things from a traditional female role in the house were, that things were running smoothly. And so think that's, that's my recollection mm-hmm. of really just feeling responsible for not only the house, but making sure my father wasn't angry. If mm-hmm. everything was in order, he mm-hmm. might not be angry. Mm-hmm. It's so funny when you started 
I thought, I was like, here we start already that you're taking things out of my mouth. So I, when I was thinking about my own recollection, I related it to being the middle child. Mm -hmm. And this idea as the middle child that I always felt responsible for everything. But I was, and then I thought like older children probably feel that same thing. So all children, regardless, feel responsible. And I did also. And my strongest memory when I thought about and tapped in to, um, feeling the sense of responsibility, it came around my sister, my younger sister. And I still feel very responsible mm-hmm. to her for her to this day, and she's a, a grown woman. Um, <laughs> but when she was little, I think when she was in first grade and I was in four, fifth grade, we we're four years apart, mm-hmm. I was responsible for taking her to and from school. And that lasted, um, you know, throughout throughout elementary school. And so we lived maybe a twenty minute walk. That's it a felt big responsibility. If well, let me tell you something. So I at the time, you know, it's just no, it's a big mm-hmm. responsibility, and it's incredibly normal. And yeah. so I would we'd walk um, down the block, and then to get to the school, there were like these two huge intersections, like major streets, um, and. One in particular is one morning in particular where I had her, like we were together, we're crossing the street, we're standing waiting for the light to change. Across the street, she sees her best friend, this mm. little girl. I, I, if I, I, I think her her brother's name was Robin. I remember because I had a crush on him. <laughs> I can't remember the little girl's name, but it was like, if I think hard enough, it will come to me. So that was like her best friend. She saw her across the street. My sister saw her across the street and jetted, just started darting across the street. And in my memory, she almost got hit by a car. And I I don't know if that really happened. I've never talked to her about this story, so who knows? (laughs) But I remember feeling so guilty and responsible and thinking that part of the reason it happened was I wasn't holding her hand. Um, And now, you know, flash forward, I'm a grown up and I have three children of my own who've had a similar experience with the youngest one running off mm-hmm. and running into a car. Um, and ha- we've had to process that a lot, you yeah. know? Um, and thinking like, holy smokes, the responsibility for the whims of a six-year-old right. is huge right. at 10. And I gotta say, it feels pretty freaking huge as an adult. As an adult. Yep. Like, it feels overwhelming um to think about this idea of being like responsible for, yo, and, and jump then in. of course we place that responsibility on a, on a child who hasn't even mastered their own stuff yet mm-hmm. not that we have but mm-hmm. you know we give it to the big sister and then they feel all this guilt that they haven't lived up to whatever we want them to do absolutely and the th- thought that i had was the idea like the internet is all about impulse control, mm-hmm. right? Or yep. how you in, engage with your impulses. And there's clickbait everywhere. It's designed to do that for you. And so I'm wondering how responsible do you feel for your child's, um, or being the gatekeeper to the internet for your child? So I did a horrible job of it when it fir- when I first, when, when my daughter first started using the internet. Her name is Naya. So when Naya first started on 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 the internet, I probably I don't think I realized the easiness of the access to it because she didn't have a device of her own yet. And then she got a tablet and she would go occasionally, but mostly she was playing games. So the attraction of Google and YouTube, because Naya is now 14, Mm -hmm. it's not exactly what it is now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So YouTube, all the kids are on it now. Mm -hmm. That came a little bit further on 
Um, so when she was six and, and um, my, uh, I call him my husband, <laughs> and I had just broken up, we were kind of doing our own thing, right? Because I hate ex- Oh, I love that Well, because term. ex-husbands sound so adversarial and we're not that. So was he's just been. my husband. I call myself his starter wife. But, <laughs> uh-huh. um, but you know, I, I think that we talked a lot about her use of electronics, but not the internet specifically. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, it smacks you in the face when the camp counselor calls you and says, so uh, Naya was looking at something inappropriate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that wasn't anything terrible. It was like a site that was like cartoons that were not mm-hmm. appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then finding out that her and a couple other kids were looking at porn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at this point, she's like nine. Mm-hmm. And I am trying to, and, and you know, my first impulse was to go, I was, I was West Indian, I'm Jamaican, was to go full Jamaican mother on her. And then I said, you know what? I grew up in a household that was about shame and about things that weren't natural. So I had to kind of step back and talk to her dad. And we decided that we would have a conversation around this is natural, but it's not appropriate for someone of your age. Mm -hmm. If you are curious, let's talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I did a really bad job up until she was about nine. It's so hard. It's It's like uncharted territory. And because she's my baby, I'm not thinking she's even thinking about Mm -hmm. those things. Mm -hmm. That taught me one to put myself back to whatever age she is. Uh, and curiosity. Curiosity. And to remember what I was doing then. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, duh. We were looking at my dad's Playboy magazine. WHT got a lot of people in my house oh my and gosh. a lot of trouble for all of you youngins. And you don't know Max. Skinamax yeah, was a thing. You might not know what WHT is. It used to have a lock, a key. Yes, that it you, had a lock. It had a key. And you would turn it, and it had, you know, because adult content. Yes, and at, at, on Friday nights and on <laughs> and on the weekends. And so, for for people who just don't know, there wasn't cable with lots of channels. You no, either had a no. box that was HBO or a box that was WHT, and it had a lock for your parents to turn it off. And it had porn, and you would try to watch the scrambled porn through the through the like you know mm-hmm. the the fuzz on the TV, which is ridiculous. But we did it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, after that, I became like the sleuth that was monitoring, (laughs) you know, what she was watching and what she was doing on her computer and on the television. And the one thing I learned was not to make her feel like an outlier for anything she's interested in. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And to really just have the conversation around, there is content that you're just not ready to process yet Mm -hmm. because you just haven't had the experiences. So whenever you see something that you cannot wrap your head around that you're obsessing over because it might be something you can wrap, wrap your head around but you're just obsessing over it talk to me or talk to someone else that you feel comfortable with and and to be honest I always say please don't ask your damn friends nothing because uh. <laughs> they don't and and I have I, and I hate to say that but I'm mm-hmm. like they don't know mm-hmm. so if it's not me talk to someone else mm-hmm. so I feel super responsible but at 14 I'm she's pretty much a lost cause at this point <laughs> <laughs> I completely hear what you're saying. I definitely, my thoughts are always what I like talk, like just my approach to parenting is to prepare over protect. Mm -hmm. And this idea that we are limited, we think we can protect and you just, it's not even a reality. And it isn't, it doesn't serve anybody anyway. Like, I don't think it serves our children um, very well anyway. So I'm always like, I want to like prepare you. And so my approach around it is I'll say, I have told all my girls, you can't unsee something. No. And so I get curiosity, but once it has entered into your brain, like it cannot go anywhere. So yes. to be mindful mm-hmm. um, that 
I'll say very, very as as um, clearly as I can, as descriptive as I can be. I will describe what porn is and how it yes. functions on uh, the internet and who's making it and why they're making and it who and they're making it for. and who they're making it for and what those images mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're going to prepare, you know, like and we're going to see. And so thinking and hoping that that is a place of being able to just give them some guidance yeah. around how to move forward. And it's so interesting. I learned I learned something two years after it happened, maybe even more than two years, which is crazy. But when Moxie was in pre-K, mm-hmm. her school decided to have a tech class where all of the little four-year-olds and five-year-olds had their own iPad. And they, <laughs> I guess they thought that was a good idea and technology or whatever the case may be, even though all of the studies show and say that, that is not appropriate. <laughs> but we'll get back to that. Um, and so she said to me, we were talking about that incident because she used to come home all the time and talk about this tech teacher and how much... She did not like him and how upsetting that class was. So I had to go in and like talk to him. And when mm-hmm. I went and met with him, he was this older dude and had never taught four-year-olds before, had n- oh. never taught elementary school that age, was with the middle school. They sent him because he was a tech guy to work with these little kids and it was a hot mess. But come to find out that the iPads did not have any blockers on them. Oh, fun. And so she had <laughs> seen something at school on the iPad in pre-K that she'd remembered so much that we were sitting around in bed at night before they go to sleep mm-hmm. and they're talking about it. Yeah. This inappropriate commercial around that was sexual um, that she saw on the iPad and in pre-K. And I was like, wait, what? Um, so it's there. And this idea that we can yes. like protect or that's just not the reality. And it's it's interesting, right? Because you have to understand your kids. So for me, I was the kid, I was the FOMO kid. I I had fear of missing out. So even if it's inappropriate, it might scare me. I don't, it it will live in my brain. I'm going to look at it anyway. Mm -hmm. My daughter is the exact opposite. She's Jomo. I can miss that. I'm good. (laughs) Joy of missing out. I'm good. So she's the person, like, for example, 13 Reasons Why, uh, the show um, with a young woman who commits suicide Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. she leaves 13 tapes as to why she did it. Mm -hmm. So her friends were all telling her about the book and the series and what have you. So in anticipation of her watching the series I watched it first oh boy and so she was like good for you I know what I can take that sounds graphic I'm not going to (laughs) and I was like so now I'm on this journey and now I'm hooked on this show I've been watching two seasons she doesn't care (laughs) but she is very much to your point I can't unsee things so I'm not gonna look whereas for me yeah I'm putting myself in her shoes and I looked at everything Mm. and I'm still very affected by things that I saw that I couldn't process Mm -hmm. and couldn't ask anyone because adults of the baby boomer generation are crazy Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so you just you can talk to them about anything Mm -hmm. and so she has a completely different situation where she could and she's like but I also govern myself Mm. so that's that's also been an interesting thing what a gift it is and the, but it also makes me feel useless. <laughs> <laughs> you are not useless. You are so useful. Um, it's for us. I think we have like we have a no screens during the week rule. Um, Ooh, from, I want to be you for so many different reasons. I, I, as an educator and teacher, I like always had these students in my class, and you're like, "What makes you so inquisitive? Like, who? What's going on at home?" And consistently, their parents didn't have televisions, and I just saw a trend. And so, um, what I'd noticed when Blue was around three or so, 
the getting off of it was mm-hmm. so difficult. Like the getting on was like helpful. Like, oh, you're going to sit there. You're going to watch a show for a while. You're going to do the thing. And then I can go do whatever I want to do. But then when it was time to go off, all hell broke loose in this way. And then also <laughs> anytime, you know, they're quiet for a while around a screen. I like I got to go inquire. And uh, I will say like nine out of ten times, whatever they're engaging with, I find problematic. And I can't be on like that every single day. T- day it's a it's a lot um and a lot misses right like i'm yeah. not i i'm not catching i'm catching maybe i don't even know maybe 10 percent of it and so it kind of like evens it out a yeah. little bit glory can you tell me how you feel about art um screens rule i don't like it tell me why because TV is amazing, and it's hard to live without it. It's destroying me, mommy. I know, but what do you think? Why would I have? Why would we make a rule that there was no screens during the week? I don't know. You really have no idea. No. No wonder you're frustrated. If you don't have a sense of why we do it, then I would be upset too. Do you want me to explain to you why? Why? So that you can have time to spend and play with your sisters. And if there was screens on all the time. You probably would not have a lot of time to spend. What about well? What about it's a pattern. One day no TV, the other day TV. One day no TV, the other day TV. I think I want there to be a larger percentage of time that you get to spend time playing with your sisters than time that you're on screens. Mommy. Yes. Not like we're not gonna play with each other. I think that when you have screens, it's kind of very distracting. Like, sometimes you could watch a show forever. I've never heard you say, I'm done. Can you please turn off the TV? Have you ever said that? Yeah. You have. What gets you to the point when you're like, I don't want to watch anymore? When I'm tired. And when you're tired? I've never seen you tired either. When does that happen? Oh, you're right. It never happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What um, boundaries do you have around Naya's use of in- the internet? So oddly, well, not oddly, I don't really have many. Um, I have felt guilt over her the amount of screen time, both television that I allowed her and screen time. Um, but I grew up like that. Mm-hmm. And so I grew up very much with, uh, we had a TV in our bedroom growing mm-hmm. up. Uh, my parents had a TV in their bedroom. We never had one in the living room because the living room Interesting. was. Interesting. You know, because you're Jamaican? Because we're Jamaican. And there's like everybody else ever on the show. The living room is a museum and you don't, only good company goes in there. Not everyday company, mm-hmm. but good company. Like mm-hmm. if someone's coming over to inspect the house and needed to sit and talk, talk to them, they mm-hmm. sat in the living room. Mm-hmm. But the kitchen had a TV. Mm. And then we had a basement where people would congregate with a big TV and everybody would come and congregate, whether there was a fight on or a movie. And we were one of the first families on the block, one to have HBO. And two Ooh. to have, right? And then we got cable. And to also have a VCR 
and a portable VCR. A port? What's a portable VCR? So at the time, what it was a VCR basically broken into that you could kind of take, like, put it in a bag. Stop and playing take right places. now. Yeah, because my, my dad was very right techy, so he, we had like a lot of stuff. So I grew up very much like. It's part of the reason I retain so many stupid facts, watching TV and <laughs> movies um, all the time. Mm. And I was a latchkey kid like most of us were. So mm-hmm. I'd come in, I'd put the TV on, I'd do my homework. Mm-hmm. And so when I had Naya, it was very much like, well, me and Naya are watching TV. We're doing what I do. Mm-hmm. We also read a lot because mm-hmm. I read a lot as a kid. So mm-hmm. we would spend Saturday afternoons in the bookstore mm-hmm. and we would both read. And so for me, it was like, if she's reading, I'm good. Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm. will let you have screen time as long as you are doing this. Mm-hmm. So, for example, in order to her for her to see a Harry Potter movie, she had to read the book first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it was a, it was a lot of that. Uh, so I didn't really place a lot of boundaries on her. She naturally does not watch a lot of television. Mm-hmm. There's about three shows that she has to watch. They're all problematic. Mm-hmm. It's like Empire Star <laughs> and like Pretty Little Liars. They're all yes, problematic. Yes, but yes. I'm like. I know my kid, we talk about it, it's whatever. The first time I found out she was watching Empire, I was like, oh, for real? So now you're going to watch it next to me and be uncomfortable. And we're going to talk about all the uncomfortable things. Fun. And then when I realized she was smarter than me, I was like, I'm not watching it with you. (laughs) Go over there. Like, I I can't be with you anymore. (laughs) And then she does a lot of Netflix Mm -hmm. and shows. And, I, you know, we share an account so I can see what she watches. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, the one thing I will say is she does not hide what she watches and she will watch with me and invite me to watch. And so that for me is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. There is nothing for you to hide. We are going to have the hard conversations. There are going to be a, there's going to be a lot of things that you see and may understand or don't understand. We're going to we're going to talk about them. And so I don't have a lot of boundaries with her and part of it is because she does self-govern mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I don't I haven't had to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say, like most kids, she doesn't put her face up from her screen often enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, and mm-hmm. so I, I felt badly about it. But then I saw her friends and I was like, oh, it, it's a whole generational it's a, thing. Yeah, like, it you guys really can't is. socialize. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real I mean, everything you're saying, I yeah. ditto. I think um, two things that came to mind is that one the stuff I watch is probably more problematic yes. than the things my children watch. Like, I really am trying to get myself off of Game of Thrones because I have to stop constantly. No, like, no, I, no, 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 no. That's no. the greatest show on earth. No, but this is, a, no, <laughs> no, literally, there's like three episodes and like, this is incredibly racist. I can't watch the show anymore. Racist, and then, sexist, the whole nine. It's fantastic racing, writing. I know. <laughs> it's fantastic writing. So to your point, there's a way in which yes. we get to talk about it, mm-hmm. right? Like, because what I think what you've, curated in your house and something that's really important for me too is that it's all got to be on the table yeah. like we're gonna it's not stop which would have been what we heard i remember i had this leave the room get out close my mother we used to go to movies and when the kissing scenes would come on she would cover my like i remember that like we're we're watching like now in retrospect things that are completely inappropriate like police academy and stuff like that. and then the the one kissing scene comes on and they cover your eyes why did i go see porkies as a child no like what, what no. was i doing there <laughs> Well, that's my whole point yeah and i mean and even i mean i remember we got in such trouble my older sister and my and myself for watching purple rain we that was big. we got i mean and we i think we got spanking i think we got beat i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna Don't i'm not, a, it. I'm not gonna pretty it up right. i'm not gonna pretty it up we gotta be in i mean i like we ran downstairs to the the, the landlord's basement to hide all she was furious and now in <laughs> retrospect i'm like it was it, i get it yeah i get it 
And it doesn't even compare to what the hell's on television now. Like, it's not even in the same ballpark of what's on on television now. And then I also feel like I'm not, I wouldn't, I'm not a conspiracy theorist like Mm -hmm. that, but I do have theories. And one of my theories is I think that the alt-right got into like cartoons, like youth cartoons Mm -hmm. and shifted that whole shit because there is a way in which the cartoons that were available to Blue and Moxie and there's six, there's like a a four year Mm -hmm. gap between Moxie and Glory, my youngest. The shows that she was watching, um, Dora the Explorer, Mihao Kai Lan, Mm -hmm. Blue's Clue, like all these shows were about empathy and connecting, like representation. And all of a sudden the kids are all horrible. And now all of a sudden there's like zero representation. No. There is like, I mean, it, and and it's such a drastic, sassy. It's such a drastic difference between what, you know, the two oldest had available to them. Yes. And it, it's, it's, as I was like, what, what are your, what are your options? And so we have completely had yeah. to get off of all of that. And like the internet actually, and YouTube and um, like even Netflix and like having, being able to say like, these are things that we're okay with. These are things we're not yes. okay with. And not like everything coming in has been the way that we've had to go. And I don't understand how in 2019 there is less representation in child, you know, children's media than there was when we were kids. Yes. Like, I, like how is that even possible? So it's interesting, right? Because now I also, but at the same time, there is less and there's more. Okay. So my daughter has natural hair. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. So her having to do her natural hair as a black girl is not something I dealt with because my mother slapped a relaxer in my hair when I was four. Mm-hmm. Don't know what my real roots look like. I kind of know every few weeks and I'm like, hi, you got to go. I just want to so. say, I just want to pause for a second because <laughs> if the guests on this program don't stop doing this foreshadowing because we're going to get to it. <laughs> we are going to get to it. Go right ahead. Right. Sorry. So for me, it was like, okay, Naya, I can help you to a degree, but it's not a struggle I had. Mm-hmm. I love that you want your hair to be natural. I wish I had been that brave at that time, but you don't talk back to Jamaican mothers. Mm-hmm. You get a relaxer. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I said was, YouTube. There's yes, lots of black girls yes, on YouTube yes. having a whole natural hair journey. Yes. There's women and yes. there's girls. They can teach you how to do your hair. I send her to YouTube for so much. Yes. It's makeup tutorials. Yes. It is learning how to do the rainbow loom when that yes. was in. Yes. It is like the serious teacher. And I will sit there with yes. her, whether you want to learn guitar. Or, so it's in a way your in-home tutor that we did not have. Absolutely. They have so much access to learning whatever the heck they want. Uh, she was going to a, she was in a quinceanera. Of course um, she was. Of course she was. Uh-huh. A few weeks ago. And she was like, and I was like, what do you want to do? She was like, well, I want the hairdresser, uh, the fabulous William, to, to <laughs> blow her hair out. Shout out to the fabulous William. Shout out to William. the fabulous William, the glam father. Mm-hmm. She, um, she wanted it straightened because she was going to do an 18-inch pony. Oh. Like, you know, a straight ponytail. And mm-hmm. I was like, go ahead. Mm-hmm. So she literally says to me, we're going to go to the beauty supply stop. And she has, I want the Denman brush. I want this beeswax. I want this. I want that. And I'm like, where do you know? YouTube. Mm-hmm. And she had a whole tutorial of how she was going to get this fabulous pony in her head. And I was like, this is something I wish we yes, had as kids. Absolutely. So it's like there is representation in a way because it's black women teaching absolutely. black girls or black girls teaching other black girls how to do things. Mm-hmm. Marseille Martin, for example, does makeup tutorials. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so you have things and you have representation in a way that I just never Absolutely. did. Absolutely. 
at the same time, the, the air quotes is what I'm doing, legitimate media, nothing. Yes. Just nothing. And it, it's interesting um, what you bring up because I do exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly like, you have a question about anything really. Like we, I wanna know how to record myself playing Minecraft how do I do that? Let's go like mm -hmm. Google it. We go. There's got to be a YouTube tutorial about there's it. And they're learning that tool of how to go out and find the yes. information. So that to me is definitely one of the gifts of the internet. And also kind of what we're trying to do with the show is build community. And what you speak mm -hmm. to is that ability to build community. And then the other side of it that's happening is that they then also feel like they can be teachers. Yes. So there's a sense, I, like Gloria will come to me now and say, so... I need a YouTube channel. And I was like, what are you gonna do on your YouTube channel? I was like, so I'm going to paint these shells and I'm gonna teach other people how to paint shells. I'm like, okay. Be do it. And you think people wanna watch you paint shells because people watch people unwrap candy. I heard. And toys. <laughs> and they make millions of dollars it's on this. So it's interesting. Insane. I was like, Well, so Glory thinks she she's in it. She can do, do it. it. She's like, it. she's 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 cute enough and she's like, I I can do this. The I kids have skills now. So we were going to Disney one year and, and we were trying to figure out where we we're going to go. And my daughter comes back and she goes, here's five houses as options for you. Oh. And I was like, <laughs> I looked at her and she was like, okay. So you said, she, she, so I said, you just picked houses. And I was like, okay, so some of these are actually good, but here's my budget. She came back and she said, here are four houses within your budget in the area you want them. <laughs> But of course, we stayed in one of the houses she of picked. Course, of course, of we course, did. Of course, we were like, we need five bedrooms. And we had a gang of people coming, and she, you know, it's just a skill yes. of I know how to research anything. If you give me the parameters, I will find it for you. Yes. Well, it's interesting you say, and thinking about Glory with the YouTube, and also Naya, and all of our kids, and like wanting to put themselves out there. What is the conversation around what they put out on the internet? Mm. Um, because first, it's that kind of like what they take in. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, what are you putting out there? And like, what does it all mean? A Explaining a digital footprint and what that is and how long it lasts and how I grew up without having any of that stuff. And, and I'm who so has happy. a concept of that? Like, what does that even mean, the future? Like, we're here now. Exactly. Like, like, I don't, so t what are you doing? Tell me, because I'm not there yet. I need some guidance. So, I mean, there's the scare straight tactics, which it's like, <laughs> scare straight worked when we were little, and I don't understand why anybody's not doing Those it now. Those after school specials. Those after school specials with the, with the men no, in the prison listen, yelling at the other boys. I don't know what happened to after school specials, but they need to bring ABC, them back. ABC, where yes. are you with the after school specials? They, they did everything they were supposed to do. It was like 15 and pregnant. It was stupid. <laughs> they were just stupid titles. They were meant nothing but everything. <laughs> Sometimes we just go Crazy. over remembering. You remember that after school special when the kid got kidnapped from in front of his house? No, everything. Telling everything. You. Go ahead. Sorry. Back so to no, you. But literally, I it's it's scared straight. It mm -hmm. is every story about someone being bullied or every story about some girl from town X getting her pictures you know, the nude she sent one boy, mm -hmm, sent five mm -hmm. towns over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we grew up in New York City. And so the town concept is very, very different. And being able to get away from your people was a lot easier. Mm -hmm. she, we're in New Jersey. She's in a town. Mm -hmm. And the next town is very connected. And so it's literally, these things don't leave you. Mm -hmm. And because of the internet and things that we didn't have, you know, we had a slam book. Your slam book got destroyed when you left school. Mm -hmm. Your slam book now is is on the internet and it follows you forever and ever and the things you say. And I tell her, like, I need you to live out loud and not be afraid, but I also need you to understand that you're going to live with your choices. Mm -hmm. And so 
it's taking so it away from, right, taking it, it away from the internet. So it's unfair. hard, right? But it's it's taking it away from the internet. You can be anything you want to be. If you choose to be a basket weaver, you need to deal with the salary of a basket weaver because you can't live here forever. Mm-hmm. That's my whole thing. <laughs> and so, if you want to put hardcore, I'm hardcore, like you can't, you can't straight. It's not a joke. You can't stay it's not. Here forever. It's not like a, a <laughs> metaphor for it's something. Not at it's not real thing. It's literally though. Whatever mm-hmm. you put out, recognize that it could be there for the rest of your life. I will say, as an educator, the amount I'm shocked. I am shocked. And I am with young people constantly, the amount of sexting that is going on. Absolutely. And the trauma that is caused by like 10 year olds and 11 year old girls who really like that 13 year old boy and sent him a text message of herself, like sometimes naked, sometimes not, sometimes like. You are scaring me. Like I just. He shared it with everybody. And then it's like, it's like an assault. Yes. Like the kids, young people process, teenagers process it like what it is like like a violation like mm-hmm. a sexual trauma and that doesn't go anywhere and then they're 12 and they're they're hypersexualized because of a choice they made when they were 10 when they really had a crush on this kid yes. um and it's happening across genders and and so it's hard to understand mm-hmm. that because yeah, I remember being in high school and wanting to show, like, having a boyfriend and wanting to do like a sexy picture to show him because I but thought you I was couldn't grown because you had to take that someplace to get developed, and <laughs> someone else was going to see that. And the man, the man at the Kodak shop, was going to be all in your business, and so you may take that chance, but likely you probably weren't. You're not going to go too far. You're not going. No go that one's far. seeing your nipples. Like, it no, might be no, a bra, yeah. But the, the the creepy man at the shop, you know, he was handing you back with the negatives. Like, I seen you. <laughs> But and it does, I will say, like raising these um, these little rebels Mm -hmm. are like it's exhausting and the amount of integrity that it causes you to have to have. Yes. If we're going to be in this real relationship together and And, honesty, really having to. So we grew up right with parents who made it seem like they were never kids. And so they never understood why we were doing the stupid nonsense and they were never making the choices we made and no one was ever crushing on a boy or anything like that. And so I don't even know how my mother had us. I have my mother is a I virgin. don't I don't I don't know how that happened. All good. She until until I turned forty and then I heard she went to strip clubs. You know, like it, it, it shifts very quickly. You, right. Whatever like my, that age they decide, like you are you've crossed to know the, it. You're fine to know yeah. it. Like so Yeah. But yeah. that the whole talking to my daughter about the things that I did at her age, mm-hmm. it's like I have to now to make sure she understands like you are normal, but you have at your disposal things that I did not have at my disposal mm-hmm. and I need you to be responsible with it. Mm-hmm. And so you have your own camera with the picture is instant and you can this instant satisfaction of sending whatever you want to send to that boy or your female friend who tomorrow might not be your friend mm-hmm. and might send your picture. So I need you to be really careful about the choices that you make in mm-hmm. a way that I didn't have to be careful. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. Mm-hmm. It sucks that you have to think so far in the future because your stuff stays and mm-hmm. mine didn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, 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 I, and I empathize with, and I tell her like, I, I couldn't do what you're doing. You're so much better than me. For sure. You are so much better than me and stronger and braver to be able to exist in this world where your stuff is always here and it's instant. Mm-hmm. And she kind of gets it and she kind of doesn't. Mm-hmm. But literally, I said, I, I want this note to disappear. I rip it up. Mm-hmm. I burn it. I do whatever. It's gone. Mm-hmm. You send a text message to someone, that's there. Mm-hmm. And so just trying to have her understand the power of 
you words. just opened my mind to like the gift of the internet, which um I don't always I'm not like always in a place of gratitude yeah. when I think about the internet. But if somehow it causes us and our young people to really appreciate the present, mm -hmm. which I think I didn't have, no. you know, it was always, and it, it like I'm still learning how to live in the present right now that it has meaning and it will last and it's worthy of like all my time and attention. If the internet can help like gift that on some level and we're always who we want to be, like not that we can't grow and change because change is always happening. It's like what you're talking about with the um, YouTubes about natural hair. These women, these black women, these black girls, these queer women, I mean, they're amazing. You're and, forming community. And you're, you're forming, and you're leaving, you, no one gets to tell your story. You get yes. to tell your story. You get to, and you get to change your story. And as long as we're more accept, we become more accepting as like a community around how people get to grow and change yes. throughout their lives. Um, and that children, black children, um, brown children, queer children, women get that same privilege mm -hmm. of being able to grow and evolve throughout their lives then and put out our own content and put our own content i think that could be a, that's such a gift it, it truly is and i think if we can take the curated internet where we're only showing the good mm -hmm. and start to show the real oh so like there's so much now body love like like women who are yoga for curves mm -hmm, or like mm -hmm. jessamine who does like she's a um a full-figured woman that does yoga and and polling and what mm -hmm, have you and she mm -hmm. has like six different accounts and i mean i am looking at lizzo's ass constantly oh, and i'm in time. love like i'm like we're work like fantastic. So there's so I much. Love it. There's such a part of the internet and of social media that can be so motivating. Yeah. So they talk about like the first the the way to really love your body is to like sexualize it, mm -hmm. and for you to be able to see it and love it in all your parts. So mm -hmm. when you see someone else who the world has told you is not the ideal form mm -hmm. loving on themselves, mm -hmm. it motivates you. Mm -hmm. And so really trying to get the kids to say there are good pieces of yes. this, and so take what you want just like it was religion or mm -hmm. job or anything. Take mm -hmm. what you want and leave the rest. So it's almost like we are responsible for establishing filters. Mm -hmm. And that's all we can do. Mm -hmm. And I think they're so much smarter than us. Oh, yeah. I think that they get it on levels that we yes. can't even begin to understand. And what you just said around take, like, that's part of the I know what's in my wheelhouse. Yeah. The idea that I don't need to look, like what you spoke about, yeah. Naya, that's huge. That's huge. And you get to make that choice. And thank you so much for coming and sharing with thank us. Thank you for having me. I could talk to you forever. And guess what I get to? Um, <laughs> so thank you so much for coming. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Anything else you want to tell the people before you go? No, just, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Stand up fussing and fighting. I think the thing that I've learned from this episode and think is to think about the idea that really, it's not that the internet is bad, it's about how we choose to use it um, and recognizing that it can be such an amazing resource for children of color, for marginalized communities. And also, I think the question that I'm left with is, what does my child have to teach me about how to use the internet? Because I'm pretty sure they have a better handle on it than we do. 
Thank you for listening. We wish you the best of luck along your parenting journey. And know that I have your back. This podcast was produced by Domino Sound. Nothing in this world they could have never do. Never, I never to stop not the trade from living up your mouth. 